autonomous cars are kind of the ultimate spatial design challenge. So it involves a person using a device to find cars that exist in space, then they get into that car and that's, that's a new space in itself. And then from there, they're getting connected to some other person or place in the world that they care about. And so every single one of those challenges is enhanced by an understanding of how to position objects in space and how to design experiences around physical space. That's Stephanie Engel, a product designer at Cruise. Before joining the team there, Stephanie had a background in social products, starting off her career as an intern for the anonymous messaging app Secret, then joining Facebook to work on the profile and later joining the VR team. Stephanie then ended up joining the team at Cruise, a self-driving car startup that was acquired by General Motors in March of 2016. What Stephanie is talking about are just some of the challenges involved in designing products and experiences around self-driving cars, something that requires a lot more discovery and learning, as well as a deliberate creation of elements that are familiar to people, as we'll see. This is Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. I'm Franco Veriano. And I'm Tyler Koblen. And today we're speaking with Stephanie Engel, the product designer at Cruise. Stephanie has a background in public policy. She then began to explore design through marketing before eventually landing at a small anonymous messaging startup called Secret and really learning about the industry. Then a quick messenger conversation with Julie Zhao led her to joining the team at Facebook, undertaking some big challenges in VR. Stephanie recently joined Cruise as a product designer, helping to create and design solutions around the emerging self-driving car industry. Stephanie joins us to share her story, how she got into design, how she created the opportunity to join the team at Facebook, what it was like tackling VR design challenges, how AR, VR, and autonomous cars are a lot alike, what it's been like being part of the team at Cruise, and much more. So let's get started. Hey, Stephanie. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're super excited to have you on and get to learn more about you know yourself and what you're up to uh, with Cruise. But before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Where are you from and what did you study? Yeah, so I am originally from San Diego. I was there all throughout middle school and then my parents decided to move us. My sister and I have a twin sister right before we started high school to the Bay Area. So I grew up in the Bay Area all throughout high school. And then I ended up going to school on the East Coast to Duke. My rationale was I wanted to go to a school that was like Stanford, but I wanted to like get out of the Bay Area because I knew I would come back. There, I ended up not really knowing what I wanted to do. So I did the major that everyone at Duke does when they kind of don't know what they want to do, which was studying public policy. I like to say that that kind of taught me design people first. So I studied anything from things like how do people form policy to the ethics of it and urban design and cities and linguistics and a whole bunch of other things. Wow, that's really cool. So where did your passion for design and startups come from then? Yeah, um, I think I've always been in a super techie family. My dad ran a few biotech companies, so I had exposure to it growing up in the Bay Area as well. But I I always knew that I wanted to do something creative. I was always this creative kid. Um, When I was about 11 years old, I took up photography to shoot pictures of horses because at the time I was a really nerdy horse girl. And from there, I actually 
turned it into this sort of business and I would go around the country shooting horse competitions. And then from there, it was like modeling photography and all the stuff traveling around the world doing that. And when I was doing that, I realized that I had to learn all these like tools like Adobe products to edit the photos. And then I started learning a little HTML, CSS to build websites and figure out how APIs worked and things like that. So I learned all these skills like when I was a kid thank God. And then when I was going into college, I didn't really know what design was. Like at Duke, it's not really so much of a design school in the sense that I do it now. So I was consistently told that I should try marketing because it was like creative and businessy. And that's what I thought I wanted. So at Duke, I tried a lot of marketing and I ended up running for this position at this this company at Duke. It's been around for 20 years. It's called Campus Enterprises. And it's a student-run company not affiliated with the university that I would describe as kind of like the Uber for Duke students, not just like car sharing, but also they do delivery, they do all any sort of logistics that helps students out. And it's this, you know, multi-million dollar business that's been around and they take freshmen in each year who apply. And so I applied and said, I want to be the chief marketing officer because I thought that's something that what I wanted to be doing. Got into the company, got the role. And immediately I realized that like we had no tech presence. We had no websites where we could send students to order things. Like we were always like telling them to write things down or gave them, giving them like our personal numbers to call things and do things. And that was absurd to me because this company had existed for so long at that point. And so my first thing that I started doing was making a new website. And then from there, it was like, oh, we should make an app. And so I started designing an app and worked with this friend of mine to build the app like an all-in-one delivery kind of service, like one account, any of our services. Still didn't know what design was. And then ended up somehow the founder of a company at the time called Secret. It was an anonymous social network. The founder of that company basically reached out to me because he saw my photography portfolio online and I'd put in some like graphic design and some pictures of the app I had designed. Not really, again, understanding what design was or that it was like a job. And he reached out to me and said, hey, I want you to come intern here. What would you want to do here? And I said, I've only done marketing. So I got to Secret and I started doing marketing things. Saw what designers at the company were doing all the time and kind of started poking my nose into that. And it was there I really learned that design was actually a career. Then from there, I started really like going into that. I started saying I want to build a design portfolio. And I started reading a bunch of Medium articles by Julie Zhu, the VP of design at Facebook, as, as a lot of people I think do. And uh, I really looked up to her and I did a bold, crazy thing. And I reached out to her over Facebook Messenger. And I said, here's my portfolio link. Be really great to intern at Facebook in the future. Or I don't know, even just talk to you. It was like, I look back on that. and It was like the most nervous, neurotic message. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, But she she was great. And she... She responded and passed me along to the recruiters who, you know, I assume she just kind of sent the link on, but they were must have been like, oh, well, this must be some important person. So somehow I ended up getting an internship at Facebook, worked on the profile team there. Then, you know, I came back and worked on the VR team. So that was that was a bit of my story into design. It's pretty cool that you just decided to reach out through Facebook Messenger to see what happens. And look, look what happened. You ended up getting to work at Facebook, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, for me, it was like this wild thing, just like sitting, you know, when I was on the VR team, I sat like a few seats away from Julie. And so it was like, what? You know, I don't know, things kind of came full circle. So what was the process of interning like? And what happened after the first message? Yes. So at the time I was studying abroad in Copenhagen, Denmark. And basically when I was reaching out to her, I was like, I really, really wanted to be at Facebook because to me, they solved things as I was kind of describing earlier in in like a people first fashion. She talked a lot about social systems and 
all I was studying were social systems. So that was a lot of what I communicated to her. And so initially it started with that message and reaching out. Then from there, when I was in Copenhagen, it was mostly just a lot of low bandwidth Skype calls in random countries that I was traveling to where I did things like portfolio review on my almost non-existent portfolio. And I did an app critique and then they offered to fly me on site, but I couldn't really leave my program. And so they offered to do one more call that dropped about six times. Anyway, so it was just sort of the normal loop of things. And so I'm, I'm pretty grateful for that. That's really amazing. So how did you end up joining the VR team? And what were some of the projects you had the chance to work on? So when I came back to Facebook, I was part of this like legacy system there where interns came back like unallocated to teams. And so I basically came back and they said, here are five teams that you can choose from, one of which being the VR team. And I kind of saw it as like, maybe that would be kind of interesting. But I, I don't know, the other team seemed more in the realm of possibility for me. And basically, I had to go sorority rush the teams. So I was a part of the company. I wasn't interviewing for the teams, but I was, you know, talking to the managers and they were getting a sense of me and I was meeting people across the teams. And the VR team was every single member of the team reached out to me and wanted to get coffee and really get to know me. So they were the most like forthcoming of everyone. And I think honestly, what did it might have been um, this one conversation I had with my soon to be manager at the time who asked me, why do you want to join the VR team? You come from this public policy background, um, very different. And I hadn't really expressed a ton of interest in VR in the past. And I said, my answer was really that like, I just saw what could go wrong with it. Like I I was basically saying that I'm not like, I saw the privacy challenges and I saw all of these really deep socially ingrained challenges around like, how do you um, deal with like groups in there? And how do you deal with stranger to not like non-friend interactions? And so I think they, they actually wanted me because I was a little bit skeptical. When I joined, I began working on anything that was related to 360 video. So I worked on launching live 360 videos across newsfeed and also in VR. I worked on our first social VR product, Facebook Spaces. And within that product, the ability to go live from VR in Facebook Spaces. And then just a bunch of general like 360 products. So I worked on everything from like, how do you make 360 content and immersive content available to people on like low gen Android phones in emerging markets to the highest end Oculus Rift with touch controllers type experiences. That sounds really cool and exciting. So when working with a VR team specifically, what were some of the challenges you had to consider when designing for VR experiences? So you can kind of bucket almost everything into a couple of different challenges. And to me, there's space and depth. So I think that a lot of designers come from a background where they're used to abstracting elements of the real world onto a flat screen, which means that you have to get very good at abstracting concepts such as, you know, like how do you navigate about around a bunch of pages versus like an AR, like some other spatial experience where you're looking around a room. It's, it's very different. So I think getting used to the ability to interact with the space and not abstract concepts like how how might you teach someone to use a concept in base such as you know we had this feature that was like taking a selfie and initially some of the concepts were more like oh there's a floating mirror and you press some button and that takes a photo of you but really like people weren't understanding that and the concept people actually did get was a selfie stick so embracing 
the physical and embracing like the space that was actually there and giving people like this kind of goofy thing, a selfie stick. That was like an easier way for them to understand what was going on and how to use the technology. On phones, space was a huge challenge because with 360 content, it's full spherical. So when you wave your phone around or you pan around like you are never watching all of the content at once and so we always said that our biggest challenge with 360 video on phones and computer screens was FOMO that people felt like they were missing you know 180 degrees of content at any given split second in a video and so a lot of our challenges were designing to bridge that that in terms of depth I think that there's a lot that you have to think about in these experiences that has to do with like how deeply these experiences are intertwined with our lives Like I said a little bit earlier, mentioning the physical, digital, abstracting concepts. I mean, like in this space, you know, when you go into VR, it's it's a lot more visceral than any kind of experience. And you have to treat that with a lot of respect and care. So one thing that was a huge challenge for us was, who are you in VR? So the first project that I got to touch was when we were working on avatars for Facebook spaces. And initially, a lot of the concepts were, you know, either abstractions of people or not even real people. And we kind of ran the gamut of those things. And we we chose people because Facebook's about people. But as you can imagine, getting the character of that right in a way that like respects how we treat other people, how we see ourselves, like that goes very deep for people. And so it's not just like depth in terms of using 3D. And it's not space in terms of just putting things into the air somewhere. It's like really trying to understand how to use those things in a way that like matched our social interactions and made people feel comfortable and in control. Yeah, absolutely. Those are some great points to bring up. And I think it's most apparent when you watch people who haven't yet had the chance to experience VR for the first time sort of play around with it. Those first few minutes when they're trying to figure things out is really interesting since it's so completely different. So I'm really glad you surfaced some of those you know, big design challenges. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, a lot of it was I look back and some of the challenges, they almost seem silly at first. Like, so one of the big innovations of the Oculus Rift was introducing the touch controllers. And the innovation there was simply just like the people want their hands in VR. Like they want to be able to see their hands, which is so natural because like in real life, you can see your hands and you're not trying to use your gaze to open up menus and things like that. You're just, you just want to use your hands. And so a lot of our challenge with using the touch controllers was how do we use this new affordance that's not just like tapping buttons. And it's like your hands, but it's not quite like your hands. It's more of a video game controller almost experience. And so our challenges were simply just like mimicking you know the way that we actually interact with objects today wow that's really cool so shifting from one emerging technology to another you've recently joined the team at cruise can you tell us a bit more about how you created the opportunity to join the team and what cruise is all about Yeah. So Cruise is a self-driving car company that was purchased by General Motors in 2016. We're basically in the self-driving car arms race. And it's interesting because the mission of Cruise is like very similar to the mission of the VR team of Facebook, which is trying to bring you closer to the people, places and things that you actually care about. And so far as how I created that opportunity, they actually had reached out to me a little bit out of nowhere. And what's interesting is like, I've been interested in self-driving cars for a long time. When I was studying in Copenhagen, I took a urban design class, a few of them actually. And when I came back from those classes, I was obsessed. I was just like, being in Copenhagen, it's like this city that is designed truly around transportation, around like great food culture. It's it's a designed city. So I came back and for one of my courses in public policy, they asked me roughly the equivalent question of like, 
how would you save cities? Like if you could pull one like moonshot option within the next 10 years and invest a ton of money into that, like write a paper on what that would be. And I, I talked all about personal mobility and autonomous cars were a huge portion of that. So I've always, I've been interested for a long time. Cruz reached out. I was loving what I was doing at Facebook. I wasn't really looking to leave, but I ended up talking to Cruz and some of the other companies in the self-driving space ended up liking the people at Cruz quite a bit and what they were offering to me and ended up going there. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. The crazy thing was when I was in these interviews, a lot of the questions we were talking about came pretty naturally to me, I think because of my degree. So when we were talking about you know, some of these like structural challenges of implementing self-driving cars in a city, I could actually speak to what it means to design a city and how cities today are designed around transportation. When in this case, we would be flipping that model. And that's part of what we're trying to do um, and make sure that cities are driven around people instead of cars. The other parts that really helped me as well is just like, I would say that autonomous cars are kind of the ultimate spatial design challenge. So it's, you know, it involves a person using a device to find cars that exist in space, then they get into that car and that's, that's a new space in itself. And then from there, they're getting connected to some other person or place in the world that they care about. And so every single one of those challenges is enhanced by an understanding of how to position objects in space and how to design experiences around physical space. And so honestly, the comparisons between like AR, VR, and autonomous cars, there's actually so much overlap, I think, in like the kinds of solutions to invest in. That was pretty much it. And then I was interested and I was wrapping up some projects at Facebook and I was really loving what I was doing there, but I was kind of slowing down on certain things. And I, I don't know, not to be cheesy, but like, I didn't really think that I could let this kind of opportunity drive by. So I went from there. <laughs> That's awesome. It took me about three seconds to catch that driving joke there. But right now I got so it. That was many awesome. of them. Oh my gosh. Yeah, for sure. So even though it's only been been a few months and it sounds like, you know, the interview process was really exciting and, and you know, the background that you spoke about and, and all the challenges, but like, what are some of the projects you've had a chance to work on, uh, you know, so far with the team? Yeah, um, I can only speak at a super high level about them, of course, but it is interesting how I've only been there for a little bit, but it's such a fast growing, moving company that it, it feels like a very long time at this point. And we're getting all these new people coming in and I'm teaching them how to design there. And it's a little bit crazy, but so far as the projects, I would say at the highest level, we're designing experiences that connect people to the cars. So they talked about a little bit before I joined, there was like this ride sharing app that was launched, which was sort of meant as an internal test, but we're doing a lot more there. All the in-car experiences. So how do people connect with the car once they're in it? What they, could they be doing within the space? I would say a lot of my mission is to try and put like a head and heart behind the wheel when you don't see one. So for us, one thing that's really interesting is this personal connection with cars. All of our cars have like these funny, goofy names, all sorts of different endangered animals and food and whatever else. And what's interesting is I came in not as any sort of car buff. And I feel this like personal connection to the cars, like people name their cars, they see faces in cars. And so a lot of what I do is trying and play up that personal connection. And then there's also some internal tooling. So we actually have like insane internal tools that I've ever been exposed to anywhere. It's a lot of like live kind of 
machine learning, pairing people with the cars, trying to figure out situations in real life. And it's, it's pretty incredible. And then I think one of the benefits of being a part of GM is actually the opportunity to riff with them on hardware and interior design. So it's been cool to actually like talk about concepts for like, what should a self-driving car be? Is it a, is it even a car? Is it four wheels? Like we can question kind of anything that we want. And being a part of GM, I would say, is less about being part of an auto manufacturer and more about being a part of a hardware company. And so it's been fun to dip my toes into that world, too. Wow, that's really cool. I, I couldn't you know, even begin to imagine all of the challenges that you and the team have to face on a daily basis. But on the other hand, it's such an amazing opportunity to have a major impact on the future of you know, transportation as a whole. So on that note, you mentioned earlier that cities were previously designed around cars, and now we should be designing them around people. So what have been some of the biggest challenges when it comes to designing products for driverless technologies and that ecosystem? Is there anything super unexpected or, you know, really surprising that's involved? One of the biggest things for me has been that, like I said, that personal connection to the cars. Like, I've ne- again, I've never been that person who was such a car buff or I was never the person who named my car. I don't really love driving that much. And so it was interesting to me that I saw that opportunity so quickly in that, like, I felt this connection to those vehicles. To me, I think actually one of the largest challenges is in relation to public perception. I think that right now there is this, like, notion that you know, when you don't see a driver at the wheel of a car, all of our minds images flash back to like those scenes in movies where somehow the driver is like gets thrown out of the seat or whatever. Like that to us is a really scary picture. So safety and trust are a huge challenge right now. But honestly, like as soon as I went in a car once or twice, and maybe this is like my technology bias, I immediately just was like felt at ease in the car. So to me, I think safety and trust are pretty nearsighted. I actually think the bigger challenge will be convincing people who really love driving. And so that that to me seems like the biggest biggest opportunity for us is how do we capitalize on the fact that we were a part of an auto manufacturer that has a hundred years of experience building steering wheels for people who love driving. And how do we how do we take that and kind of put people back in control of the experience and not feel so much like passengers? That's so cool. I'm just sitting here thinking just some of the problems that you guys had to solve to date and what's still in store for this technology. I'm really looking forward to seeing where things go for both yourself and Cruz. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, we're just getting started here, but it's pretty, it's been great so far. Like it's it's an amazing set of people with great ideas. And one thing I love is we're looking for a lot of people who don't have the traditional experience going into this. Like even within the design realm, like someone who's only designed for really social experiences, as in my experience, it was kind of an interesting choice that they decided to bring me on. But their whole thing was the biggest challenge about self-driving cars is not the cars. It's, it's about people and people's connections to these things. So it's been super exciting so far. Yeah, honestly, it's a big problem to solve. and It'll probably take some time to get people comfortable with the entire idea, but I'm sure you guys will be at the forefront of it. So on that note, as a product designer, what are some of the most recent apps you've downloaded and loved? So I've been on a bit of this like improve work balance with life balance kind of kick as I think most people are around me. And uh, as soon as I moved from Facebook, one of my big things was I wanted to make sure that the work and things I was doing outside of work, like the apps I was using were building better habits. So one contrast there is 
where at Facebook, me dog fooding the products I was using, testing them out was, you know, staring at my phone or putting a headset on, whereas now using my product is getting inside a car and going around the city. And one app I've been using a lot in complement to that is Headspace. So I never was like a meditation person. I've always been kind of the person who was like, how do I, I can't sit still for a few minutes, let alone listen to this 10 plus minute set of exercises. But um, yeah, so I've been using that a lot. I love how much thought they've put into things like color theory on how to make people feel at ease. And I love how they've broken meditation into like categories. So it's not... It's not just like this blanket thing, like you, you know, meditate for 30 minutes saying, oh, and crossing your legs. It's like they actually break it into little exercises that are really, really well done, I think. So into that, I also think HQ trivia, I think everyone's like kind of on that like kick right now. So I think they, they've really nailed live video. So I worked a lot on live video at Facebook. And I think like what they've done insofar as kind of like gamifying live video and using all these behavioral economic heuristic type triggers to get people on and like, you know, aiming for these prizes, the fact that it's like a set time of day. And I don't know, I think they've done a lot of really smart choices, investing in quality. And yeah, so I think I really like those two apps right now. You know, I think Headspace has done a lot for me personally. And it's an app that I think is unique in that like its goals are around personal happiness, which I don't hear a lot of companies like stake as like part of their design principles or part of their their mission. So I love that. And then HQ Trivia, I think is fascinating to me because I've, I've worked so much on live video and I feel like they've kind of nailed some of the, the behavioral things that make live video really compelling for people because I know it can be super hard to make those products. So yeah, those are a couple. Yeah, those are both great apps. So Franco has been telling me about HQ for the past few weeks now and I finally jumped on last night. I was with a group of friends and I told everyone that I hadn't played before and that we should get together and play this game called HQ. We finally did it. We didn't do well, but uh, it was a ton of fun. And I'm looking forward to seeing where things go with HQ. Seems like an awesome app. So pushing forward a bit further, what are some great resources like books, blog posts, videos, podcasts, etc. that you've come across recently and really enjoyed or ones that you keep coming back to? I would say that I tend to be a person who like studies design and learns about design very horizontally. So I tend not to look so much at references about design that are, you know, I think dribble can be great for inspiration on individual patterns. But normally I'm listening to things like behavioral economics podcasts, things like Freakonomics or, you know, Ted Radio Hour has some interesting stuff. And, you know, a lot of those types of things that get you thinking about like how people behaving in the world, they tell usually like these vignette stories about human behavior and they center around all these topics that are not necessarily directly about things like product design in the technology sense, but certainly relate in some way or another. So I like a lot of those. I think, of course, a lot of the classic books, like Design of Everyday Things, I don't even need to restate any of that. And yeah, but I would say as much as possible, I really try and encourage people to like study and read things that are not about design directly. Like, So one book I really like is this Lakov book that's like, Don't Think of an Elephant. And it's just all about framing. And, it, and I think studying linguistics was probably one of the better things I did for my career in technology because uh, we're all just 
kind of trying to make these human devices and language is kind of the most human device that we have. And so in this book, it just talks all about like how the kinds of language you use and from there, the design language and the imagery and all these things, how they come together to like mean things to people and how what's said and unsaid really shapes the way that we think about things. Another one I'll, I'll point out too that's not a design book is called The Checklist Manifesto. It's this book all about writing checklists, which sounds super boring, but it taught me a lot about like forming design principles and why they're so important through the lens of like, basically it went in and into the pilot industry and surgical practices. And this guy did all these studies on the importance of checklists and how a lot of human complexity and training and learning can be reduced into about like seven steps that if you answer like those seven steps, then you're usually like, you're going to come to a solution that's much better than had you not had that. And so they were finding all these things, like it was actually more effective to just have a simple seven step checklist or four step or whatever was a good amount for that particular industry or task. They found that that was more valuable to people and more successful in training people than these like two year, five year plus training programs for pilots. And so the reason that draws back to design principles is I look at design principles, things like, you know, why would we prioritize speed over having an iconic brand or design language or something like that. And it's like a checklist for the things that you should be thinking about at all times during the design. And if the design doesn't answer that list of things, then there's probably something inherently wrong with it, or there's probably something that we could do to change it. Yeah. So anyway, it's just a book about like, I think keeping people a little bit honest, keeping things transparent and aligning people around shared thought and collaboration. And to me, that's like rule number one in design is like trying to align yourselves with a team around the right principles. So we've talked about a bunch of different things throughout the course of the episode. Do you have any last thoughts or personal mottos that you live by and you think other people should know about? Yeah, I'm full of motto-y things. I think that one of the biggest ones as a designer is don't scope yourself because people will always do that for you. As in, I think that I see a lot of designers jump into things and start telling themselves why certain solutions don't work before they really start to play with them and like push on the creative thinking. And I think that that's like a way to kill all the best ideas because people will always scope it down. Some engineer, some someone will explain why that's not possible. So you, as a designer, that's that's not your role. Your role is to be generative and solve the right problems. I think another one that's more career general is make friends, don't ask for jobs. I think something that I always did was I never was like looking for jobs, if that makes sense. I kind of am where I am through like this elapsed series of events that usually were somehow tied to someone I knew or Twitter or something like that, just some some sort of social thing. And I realized that like I became a little bit became known in some of these circles or I, I, you know, knew some of the right people simply because like, I was never trying to like ask people for things or ask people for jobs and favors. It was like, I just really wanted to get to know people. I reached out to people at Julie Zoo on account of passion and just like, I really love the stuff that you do and here's why. And then everything else is kind of an afterthought. So I think that's a big one, especially for people, people starting out. But so that those are, those are two of the big ones. Awesome. That's some really great advice. Stephanie, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. Tyler and I really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been super fun. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear about it and have you share it with friends. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at Hack to Start or drop us an email, hey at hacktostart.com. 
You can also subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes by finding Hack to Start on Apple Podcasts, Breaker Audio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.